Adam Pascal here, co-host of Inside Roll with a Side of Pasta, here with Pete Lasagna, and today we have, I'll say, a top three personality in the game of lacrosse. He has been ever since he laced him up or buckled that helmet. Matt Palum, fortunate enough to join us. Real quick about Pete, two really important points about Coach Lasagna. He has the most amazing back porch. The view is incredible. It looks at <laughs> it like what you'd call like a vineyard or like some kind of place where you want to sit and they possibly film Bambi or scenes from some Disney movie. Along with that, Coach Lasagna last year received the IMLCA Lifetime Achievement Award for over 40 years in higher education, taking both Brown and Bates to the NCAA tournament. Coach, so great to be back here with you again. Excited for what I'm expecting to be a very interesting and talkative guest. I appreciate <laughs> you so much, Adam. It's great to be here with you and Matt as well. I have to pump your tires a bit. Uh, also, I've gotten some feedback, which it's really great to get feedback from people that know us that have consumed some of this fabulous podcast, but maybe it's more valuable to get feedback from people that don't know us and aren't intimately involved with the lacrosse world. Um, and, and part of that feedback has been you all, you both need to tell us more about the other person that you're with. So I'm going to take that advice really seriously and let the world know what Adam is way too humble to say that he was a two sport superstar, essentially his whole life. Uh, I love to be able to say this part, Adam, and, and you can feel free to blush that when you were named the uh, New England Class A football player of the year at Hotchkiss, there was a guy that you were competing against, I think I have this right, by the name of Patrick Carney, who went on to play professional football, and he maybe, I guess maybe he was the runner-up New England Class A football player of the year that year, but uh, <laughs> it was you, and, and Adam went on to be uh, a superstar, an All-American at Middlebury, really started their, their run, getting to the championship game, setting all kinds of NCAA playoff game records, uh, helping Middlebury get to the championship chip game for the first time in 99 and then went on to be a really successful college lacrosse coach uh at holy cross as a head coach assistant at naz and harvard and williams and babson and wellesley and moses brown and uh and i know getting back to work to shape some young minds at belmont hill this spring um but just uh, uh, again somebody who has just continued to give and give and give to the game and to people connected to the game and uh it's really fun we're, we're hoping to continue to give to the game right now and 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 part of where we're coming from, you all, and and Matt, this is for you too. Is are we going to get into some granular detail about the game? We 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 well may we have, but we really want to get to know and sort of share the wonderful personalities and and insights uh, in life, lacrosse, love, whatever. Um, not not just talking about our favorite extra man plays. So that certainly certainly brings us to you today here, Matt. And I'm actually going to throw it to you too for a little bit and and quiet my voice. Not something I, I do well or often, but uh, just because you two have a really, really long and deep relationship. And I'm just going to I'm going to throw it to you two to, to 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 let us all let us in on a little bit of a little bit of that. What what brings us together today? Coach, so thankful. I appreciate all that bragging. To be honest with you, living in Vermont the last few years, I connected with Patrick Kearney's cousins. And they're incredible people. Lori Auden, tip of the hat. Rue Brown, who's at Taft right now. But I'm trying to think of three words like I do with the guests. And I keep running into a couple that run into each other when I talk about Matt. The first has got to be his smile and his voice, his charisma. But then to be able to take control of a game that moves so fast with such confidence, such, such a high level, I'm going to combine his enthusiasm, his knowledge, 
his courage and his confidence. And Matt, thank you for joining us. Oh, I'm so pumped up to be here. And again, kind of having a little chat with, with two of my all-time favorites in the game and on and off the field. So I'm happy to be here. I love talking lacrosse and life and, and all that stuff. So I am, uh, I'm pumped up for this. This will be fun. Matt, I love the fact that you, I think it's a, it's a cool lead for your bio. And obviously there's a whole lot more to you. That's that we're going to get into a lot of that in the, in the next few minutes, but I love the sort of the pull quote from, I believe when you were uh, inducted into the greater Syracuse sports hall of fame, the lead line might've been national championship goalie, national championship official. Like they're, they're, they're just, it's sort of like, you know, calling for your phone in order at a restaurant and saying, uh, yeah, lasagna. I called in like, you know, there are not that many other people named lasagna that called in that are coming to pick up that food. <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing that there aren't very many people that have won a, a, a national championship uh, as a goalie for collegiate division one lacrosse and then uh, officiated now millions of championship games and, and final fours. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, tell us tell us a little bit about uh, you made a journey. Honestly, Matt, I was going to save this for later, but I think I'm going to do it right now. Um, not very many people from your yep. era or since followed your path from, in your case, a great, spectacular, legendary player to, uh, to now legendary, uh, official. And that that's been a long time, but, but anyway, tell, tell us a little bit about, uh, about that journey or go in whatever direction you want. It's great to talk. Sure. To you. You, you know what? The, 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 the first comment I'm, I'm going to make is, you know, that the game has grown so much and the, the generation behind us, right. Is, is, so much, you know, there's so many more of them involved in the game than our generation, the three of us, so to speak. AP, you might be a half a generation behind, but you're pretty close, more closer to us than you are these kids. So uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to lump you in with me and Coach Lasagna. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, but the, the, the statement that, you know, I'm one of the few, you know, division, former Division One players or even Division Three players uh referee in the game and and right away I've, I've said this this is a problem we have we got to get more people into it because there is good lacrosse being played all over the country and probably 90 percent of your your referees are are crammed in between you know maine and washington dc which is very unique to to any other sport, you know, there's great basketball refs in seattle and miami and las vegas and everywhere else same with football or soccer or anything, you know, any other sport. And we are very unique in that it's, it's like the refs, uh, that, 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 you know, that do the, the, the playoff games or the big time games, uh, you know, again, are located in that corridor and we, we desperately need to, uh, change that. We, we need to get good guys in Texas and California and not that we don't have them, but we need more of them. Because the 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 volume of lacrosse is just, you know, multiplying, and um, Division One lacrosse has become, you know, the biggest change I think is is Title Nine has sort of stunted the growth of men's sports, unfortunately. But the upside of that is, you know, let's just say we have eighty teams. I know it's give or take somewhere in that number, but you know, back, uh, you know, my senior year in nineteen ninety there were about six or seven teams that le legitimately had a chance to compete for the title. And now, you know, there there's 20 that, that can comp compete for the title. 
And, and the the bigger thing is, as I watch my, my son's a freshman at Albany and, you know, we played Colgate last week and we went down to Penn and we're going to Drexel. Everybody's got dudes. Everybody's got players that, that, uh, you know, because th there's so many more kids playing and they can't all go to, you know, Syracuse Hopkins in Virginia or, you know, uh, so therefore the Siennas and Drexels and Albany's and Vermont's of the world have really good guys playing, you know, they're, they're, those kids are, are excellent. And I see it all the time in the pro league where the, these teams come out and I'm like, wow, where did this dude come from? You know, this, that chase Ferrara kid division three player from, from Salisbury, um, and, and again, there's a bunch of no name guys running around that field that, that are such impressive athletes and players and well coached and, and all that good stuff. But, uh, yeah, back to the original question or the original statement, we, we definitely need more guys, uh, th that have played the game to referee the game. Cause it's a tricky, you know, we get a lot of guys that transfer over from football or basketball or what have you, and they know how to referee, but they don't have a great feel for our game and it's it's a different you know it's a different animal everybody has watched basketball on tv and knows a little hoops and baseball and football and all that stuff but lacrosse is kind of one of those sports you're either in or you're out right you're not sort of a lacrosse guy you're either a lacrosse person uh or you're not and and we uh you know i would love to as my career you know i'm, I'm certainly closer to the end than the beginning but i would love to you know lead that charge of of growing the zebras uh geographically especially yeah, so, um, you, so you bring up a, a i mean you raise a critical point matt and it's been a critical point for the whole time that all of us have been involved in the game right and and we've talked about it and uh, we've sat on on leadership councils in our sport and and whatnot i'm sure you have with the officials how do we you know and i'm sure just like i did at, at both brown university for a number of years and then at Bates college for the last 22. And I'm sure you did at all of your stops at, at Holy cross where, when you were head coach, but I'm sure as an assistant as well, Adam, and, and maybe even with high school and, and your young clients now, Matt, Adam, I mean, either one of you, how do we incentivize people so that we get more of exactly what you just described, Matt? You know what? It's, it's funny. I, I got a great answer for you because I'll tell you my story about getting into it. Um, and the answer is, is is money, to be totally honest with you. What happened to me was I was a freshman at Syracuse. Uh, my dad was the was a teacher at West Genesee High School, which is a, a lacrosse factory here in central New York. Uh, the kind of Mike Messer built this, you know, who who might be one of the best coaches in the world at any level. Uh, Coach Messer built this incredible program at West Genesee that kind of led the way for for everybody in um, in upstate New York to you know to just make this game grow huge around here. But I'm a my dad was a teacher out there, and he was also the football coach. And my dad was a football baseball guy. I thought lacrosse was for the guys that couldn't really play football. Um, <laughs> so. Anyways, he was also a high, so he's a teacher. He's a high school basketball referee. So I'm a freshman at Syracuse and I, I got my grandfather's 73 Dodge Dart that I cannot keep gassing. You can actually watch the gas gauge move. And uh, he he grabbed me and said, come on, you're coming to a basketball meeting. I'm like, huh? I, it was about the one sport I never played. Played everything except basketball. I was a hockey guy. So anyways, this was 1987. 
I'm I'm leaving campus to go do, you know, starting out, do rec league, men's rec league or modified games. And boy, I come back to campus in 1987. Like I go do two men's men's league rec games and I got like $38 cash in my pocket. And I was gone for about an hour and 45 minutes. And in 1987, 38 bucks in the pocket was not a bad take for the, for the, you know, for a couple of days and for a week, whatever it, it might've been. So to be honest with you, I got hooked by the money and then my competitive, it, um, my energy, all that kind of stuff, it just fit me and I fell in love with it. So by the time I'm a senior in high school, you know, I got my buddies in the stands at local high school game. Now I'm doing varsity games. You know, they're in the stands heckling me, you know, having a good time, whatever. But to be totally honest with you, I, I got hooked by making that fast money. And my again, back to my son, who's a freshman at Albany, I got him started last summer, took him up to Lake Placid, <laughs> and he and I refed for two or three days together, you know, three or four games a day, whatever it might be. Well, we walk out of Lake Placid, and the guy hands him a check for $642, and he was like, whoa. So he's coming back this, you know, when he's done with the season at all, but he's going to come back to Syracuse and and uh, get going, you know, refereeing around here. To, that's going to be his summer gig. And, you know, as, as kind of as crass as that sounds, you know, it's not about grabbing a 30-year-old who's already married and got a job and, uh, you know, hey, boss, can I leave at 2 o'clock to go make $48 in a modified lacrosse game? That's hard. Or, you know, explaining to your wife, I'm a ref. Um, you, you know, a guy like me or a guy like my son who I kind of patterned or, you know, basically did the same drill my dad did with me. Um, it, it was in my blood before I ever had a serious, you know, relationship or a job or, you know, I've spent my whole life taking jobs that would leave me available to go referee, hmm. you know, but the job was never the priority for me. I just couldn't wait to get to that game. And, um, so I think we have to get into the young, you know, the current college players, summers, refereeing, you know, that kind of stuff. You got to get people hooked into it before, you know, life is so fast nowadays for these kids. You know, they got 42,000 things going on and, and you know, nobody has time for anything. And, and that is the, I think we got to get active young players who don't have a care in the world, who don't have a, a wife waiting for them at home or kids. And 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 get it in their blood, and may and now it's sort of a reverse process. You don't take your life and try to stuff refing into it. You you become a ref and try to stuff your life into it. If that makes any sense. And and I think yeah, I think we've been going after people that are that are too old. Let's get the eighteen year olds, get them out there, and it's also going to help those kids when they go play. When my son goes and plays, he's got a little compassion for the ref. He knows how hard it is. Yeah. Um, so. Do you feel like that? That's that's a that's the answer. I I I totally get it. Do you feel? Uh, I'm not gonna. I was gonna ask you. Do you feel like this conversation is happening sort of a, at a at a bigger level with with your colleagues or college coaches or whatever the appropriate leadership? You know, USA Lacrosse leadership. I don't know. I, I was gonna ask you. Do you think that conversation is happening? But I know damn well that conversation is happening because it's been happening for 42 years in my life. A right. better question is. Are actions being taken to sort of develop a stra the strategy that you just described? I would say the answer is no, and we've we've talked about to your point. We've talked about it. Um, 
you know, can I go down? I'm in Syracuse. Can I go down to Cortland State, uh, you know, later here in the spring and, and talk to the team and say, hey, guy, here's a great option. You know, who's who's doing what this summer? Yeah, you paving driveways or, you know, I mean, this look, this repping thing is is a nice way to make you're outside, you're running around, you're with the game you love. And, and it's it's the single most important thing I did in my life to become a man, so to speak, as far as people's skills, uh, integrity, courage, being on time, shaving, uh, looking right, uh, staying in shape. I just kept my body young. I'm 56 years old and I can wear my jeans from high school. Um, you know, uh, there's so many good lessons for these kids to, to get into this and, and learn it. And, and the, the, the double-edged sword is the problem is you're starting at these club games and these modified games, you know, junior high games, whatever you want to call them. And of course you got the parents ringing the field in their lawn chairs being, you know, often being jackasses to the refs. And you got a 19 year old ref out there trying to learn and trying to serve the game. And, you know, if you get a bad experience early, the kid goes, well, I'm not, I don't need, you know, the famous line some kids said to me when I was trying to get him into it. And my buddy Rick Beardley undressed him at a game and he looked in the ref, the ref looked at me, he says, I do not need this in my life. And I said, you know what? I have no argument for it. <laughs> so, so, yeah, it's a delicate little, uh, you know, Again, getting somebody off the ground with it is the tough part. You know, everybody wants to ref in the final four or do the ACC championship or the state championship or whatever that might be. But are you willing to go to, you know, some 130 degree turf in Baltimore in July and ref, you know, five games and and learn how to do it, learn how to manage all that stuff? Well, I, I know, I, I hear you. I really hope, that like I, as you know, and Adam knows just as well. He's just a little bit younger than. Uh, well, you're both younger than me. He's quite. <laughs> a but like I said, we, and that's why I asked you a, an action based question because we have been having this conversation for for a damn long time, and and that's why I asked you the first question because I just thought as I was looking at your bio, it's like, yeah, I, I can't think of another. You know, I can't think of many other people uh, who have done it. So uh, I, maybe, as you said, as you continue to wind down, though, I don't see you looking at the shape that you're in and fitting into those high school jeans. I, I, don't, <laughs> see, I don't see you finishing anytime soon. But when you are ready, may, may I encourage you to try to pull all of the constituents that know and love and respect you. And and maybe you are. Maybe you're the right person to to actually take this thing and, uh, and, and put it into action. Adam, I want to ask you a little bit. I know that. I, I hope you had to, you got to experience Matt as an official in all your time coaching, coaching and playing. Um, but I want to ask specifically, I know you two have known each other for a damn long time. So I want to learn more. And as I learn more, the list, our listeners will learn more about how you two first got to develop a relationship and, and why. Well, I'd like to say, first of all, I think that the officials are uh, violently underappreciated. I think that and I just wanted to actually get Matt's opinion here real quick, Pete. Unfortunately, lacrosse has kind of a tough to break in or kind of a not necessarily always the most inclusive atmosphere around the game. Yeah. Do you find that it's tough to bring officials along from other professions like high college football teammate of mine, Mike Roach, is a very high level college official for football. And I've yep. seen him do college lacrosse games. Have you found that? 
because the stands are closer, the parents are louder, that maybe lacrosse is tougher to pull cross 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 sport officials? I think it's more so the game itself. I think we have a very unique game, right? And 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 it's funny. I did my five because I've been busy with basketball. I did my first game last night. I had uh Colgate and Yale. They played it, they kind of met in the middle and played in Albany. And that was my first game of the year. And I talked to uh Tommy Abbott afterwards, our, our national coordinator, driving home. And the it's just a diff first of all we change the rules every seven minutes which is a, is a challenge right i mean oh that was last year's oh no this year's rule i mean it'd be nice to to get it you know other sports don't they tweak them a little but they don't change them the way we change them and what happens is i'll take my father as a great measuring stick he is a Sports guy, not really a lacrosse guy. I mean, he watched a million, watched me play, but he didn't grow up with lacrosse in his blood. And, you know, whenever we put like the new goal mouth thing in, he's like, what the hell is that? I'm like, well, you know, and now I'm trying to explain it to him. You can't, you can go in that part, but not that part. But if the guy pushes you, blah, 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 blah. I, I mean, the normal, nor, and, and I got lacrosse people texting me the, this whole weekend, the Syracuse, Maryland. What about that? Lacrosse people don't understand these rules, let alone the casual fan that, that flips on the TV and is like trying to figure it out. And it's really, the game is simpler than we're making it. It's put the ball on the goal and, and defend people. And, and boy, do we have a lot of stuff uh, over and back, but not until the 62nd mark. Do, do people even know that? Right. You can go back and forth. But once the clock hits 60, well, try doing that when they're clearing it and there's a loose ball and you got six guys fighting over a loose ball in the middle of the field and the clock's going 61, 60, 59. And you can't even figure out who touched it last, what the hell end we're on. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's it's fast and it's furious and there's a lot of parts to it. You know, the, the clearing clock, offsides, traffic, too many men. I haven't even talked about you know, people hitting people, it, it just the, the traffic and, and the chaos of it. There's nothing, there's no other sport like it. It's, you know, so a football, they get a rest every in between every play and, and, and you got eight guys out there and pretty much in football, I think it's my buddy Hans Wittelsberger or buddies and Pete Buchanan both do division one football. And I tease them that they, they're just stealing money. They're, they're out there reffing two guys, right? Yeah. I'm the back judge. I got, you know, Pete Buchanan, I watched him ref in the dome and he blew his whistle once in three hours and collected five grand. <laughs> so, so, yeah, it's just lacrosse is so, you, and this is me talking, you know, about the, the chaos of it and the, you know, finding, you know, last night a Colgate was doing a 10-man ride. Well, try catching offsides on a 10-man ride again when there's a loose ball and a, con, a contended play at the at the midfield and, and you're trying to, you know, the, the big thing in refing is we always talk about, yeah, if I, if I take a minute to count, uh, as I'm counting, somebody just got, you know, their head taken off in front of me. And I didn't, because I was counting, I didn't see it. Or I'm refereeing the play and they got seven over here. And, you know, it's, it's, it is hard, <laughs> really hard. And it's getting harder because of the speed of it. And, and, and yeah, I mean, Pete, I'd like to ask you, and then I'd like Matt to take over, because you two have dynamic, off-the-page personalities, if you don't mind me saying it. 
Matt is so dynamic on the TV. He's a great official, and he's definitely somebody recognized that because the camera's always on him. And Pete, with your experience writing the back page, I'd like each of you to tell me a little bit of when people see you, like like walking around, like at a game. Is there like a Michael Jordan effect where you stop and say hi or do you wave your hand? But I think both of you are in very unique positions because of how different your you're recognized at and your mediums, but I think it's terrific. And I'd like to hear each of you, what you have to say about it. I'll, I, I will talk quickly and cause I want to hear more what Matt has to say than, than me, but I appreciate that. I think like anything else, Adam, if you do essentially the same job for 40 years, which is what I was fortunate enough to do, you just get to know a lot of people and you get to know a lot of mostly really, really good people. and. As a result, if you work to be an honest, authentic human, which I, that is what I've tried to do in life, uh, hopefully more people are going to enjoy spending time with you than not. And when I used to do the columns for Inside Lacrosse, and part of the reason why I was excited to be on here with Matt, and I said this to my wife as we were driving up to Saranac, uh, as I was trying to give her some context for this conversation, I said, part of what, I, I mean, I've always appreciated Matt for a lot of reasons, but part of why I always appreciated you was that you were one of the, the people that was the is the busiest in our sport who, if one of my columns resonated with you, you would actually take a couple seconds to, you know, send me an email. And I, and I always really, really appreciated it. Uh, Cause part of the beauty of that thing was you push send and then they publish it and you have no idea if anybody's going to read it besides your wife and, and in, in most cases, <laughs> Matt Palem. So uh, me, Adam, it's, it's really a function of age and, and trying to be a good person and, and maybe, maybe be fun to be with my wife and I in the retirement tour are trying to tell as many people as possible. Like I'm always amazed Dom Starja, my, you know, who's married to my sister, Chrissy, he, they go to like a thousand weddings, uh, a wedding season and, and me, and <laughs> we don't. And, and I, and honestly, we're a lot more fun at a wedding than Dom and my sister, Chrissy. And so <laughs> I, I feel like, I feel like, anyway, uh, you know, you know what it's like, Adam, we've moved through public lacrosse places together and I'm sure it's the same with Matt. Um, you know, especially at the final four or big places like that, where you're maybe going to know a lot of people. That's part of the fun of it, man. That's part of the beauty of our sport is that voices that where you instantly recognize that voice and the other one where it takes you a while to go through your shift through your brain and figure out who it is. Um, want to come over and, and have a beer with you and, and hang out. So that was a longer answer than I, than I intended, but I think that's a lot of it. I think you're just, you're in it, in a great part of a great community for a really, really long time. I was also really fortunate in that, uh, I, I had a, I had a privileged position in the back page of inside lacrosse. And there are a lot more people out there, especially with the last couple of years uh, of my coaching acumen that remember me as a writer first <laughs> and a coach last. And it, it used to always crack me up. Ted Spencer used to give me the uh, the first night where you're really worried about 450 kids from Long Island behaving the first night of camp. And you, so you keep them in the auditorium, you know, at, at UMass or Fairfield, wherever we did the blue chip 225 camp, try to keep them there as late as possible. So if you want to do that, ask Peter Lasagna and Mike Murphy to talk like, you know, that you got them for at least two hours. And Ted would always start the intro at the end of the intro. He'd say, and you guys across <laughs> magazine. Well, the person I'm about to introduce writes a column on the back inside of Inside Lacrosse Magazine. Put your hand up if you've read it. Like maybe some brave kid in the front row <laughs> with glasses that no one else was going to speak to for the rest of camp 
would put his hand up and say that he had read it. And after a while, I would just say like, Ted, you need to stop. That needs to, you need to edit that out of your intro, man, because these kids don't read. Right. Right. Wow. Um, What I would add to that as far as, look, first of all, it is a a great family that we have, so to speak. And and the cool thing about it is no matter how big this game gets, you still, you know, you seal across shirt, hat, bumper sticker, whatever. You, you kind of feel connected to that person, whether you know them or not. And and that's always been special and unique to our game, which I think is just tremendous. The, the next part I was going to say is, as far as my personality and 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 the people I've touched and met and and interacted with and worked you know, worked with, I guess I would say that as a ref and a coach or whatever, there's no place in the world I'd rather be than on that field. Um, Fortunate, lucky to be, I mean, between basketball and and lacrosse, I've refereed everywhere from, you know, Ireland to California to, I mean, on and on and on. And so lucky to spend my life doing that. So. Right away, I'm not sitting at a miserable meeting. I'm out there with the game I love. And and I always say to people, they call these things games for a reason. We're going to have a little fun out here, okay? This is not a lacrosse surgery. This is not a lacrosse exam. This is a lacrosse game or a basketball game, whatever it is that we're doing. I think sometimes we we lose touch of that. Um, And... So I think my love of being out there and my love of the game and my love of the kids and the coaches, it, it, I, I have no choice but to be out there with a smile on my face and a bounce in my step and, and some fun comments while still trying to take charge and, and, and do what needs to be done to get the game right. Um, but no, it's just, it, it, when people watch me ref or see or want to rate me or do whatever, how do you want to be remembered? I want to be remembered. You love watch me ref and you say, that guy loves to be out there. And I don't really give a damn what else you say about me. Because I'm out there pouring every ounce of my guts into it, loving every minute of it. You know, I had uh, the most famous screw up in the history of the Final Four last year, right? We missed a tough play. <laughs> and you know what? I, I, it, it broke my heart. I, I, you know, Jeff Tambroni is a, is a, just like most of the coaches is a, is a great friend of mine. Um, and there was the worst feeling in the world to drive home, you know, no replay and, and just think about that for five hours between Philly and Syracuse. So again, but what helped me get through it is, you know what? I poured my guts into that and, and, and did everything I could to, to get everything right. And what I've realized is, you know, the, the, the expectation for officiating because of all the replay and technology, excellence should be our standard, not perfection. It's never going to be perfection. I don't care how many angles you have or replay at the end of the day, you got to ref this game with your naked eye. And it's a really fast game. And I can stand in front of you and say, I'm going to give every play, every inch of my body, but I can't promise that I'm not going to miss. I, I miss stuff every game. We all do. You know, we've seen with these replay rules now, 
you know, the play that we missed in the final four, I've seen it missed 12 times in the last two weeks. I mean, it's hard. It's so fast. Um, when, when you ref lacrosse, I explained this to the rules people when we were talking about replay, the refs are on the outside trying to look in the middle versus a basketball game where you got the guy on the baseline who can look up into the guts of the play in the football game that there's refs on the field that can look into the center of the field and, and, and get it, you know, get, get those angles or what have you. Lacrosse is unique in that we're, we are constantly pushed out, right? We want to give these guys room to operate and we try to creep in near the goal when we see an opportunity. All right, there, the ball's the other way. I'm going to try to pinch in here and get a look because that, that middle of the field where the crease and the goal is and where all the trouble is, it's hard to get a good peek in there. And I, I for one, am, am so glad to have replay. So no one else ever has to, you know, Penn State, Matt Palom and his crew doesn't have to drive home feeling the way we all felt last May. Um, so that's about what I got to say about it. <laughs> Matt, Peter had asked how we kind of connected. And besides working the Powell Brothers Lacrosse Academy is long, long time ago. I think about, it was probably like 2004, 2005, Nazareth, Jake Kuhn was on the sideline at Naz, hoteling, Ryan was on the field, and I had gone up to watch, I think it was like a first-round game. It was a beautiful day up at Youngman Field, and I'm sitting there with my brother, and all of a sudden, I'm like, oh my God, there's Matt, he's on the field. And you come <laughs> over the berm, and you walk out, and all of a sudden, I just start yelling, all day fours. <laughs> you turn around and give me that huge smile and it's almost like i want to talk about the relationships because that's why you're here that's why like let's be honest like if we didn't work camp together we would have never have met like the, the weird smallness of this community is so incredible do you feel like talk about relationships in the game for you because your son plays for scott marr i'm sure you've known yeah. for 35 years like this is a, it's an unbelievable environment I, like to the point where I couldn't imagine my life without it. If you took away everything lacrosse, the just, just relationships, not a, let alone where I'd been and, and all that kind of stuff, but all the people I'd met in that game, uh, in our game, if you take that out of my life, I'd be a pretty lonely dude. <laughs> I mean, it seems like everybody uh, that I text with, chat with you know and it's hopkins syracuse it's cornell it's ithaca college Cortland. It, it doesn't matter it doesn't matter you know i'm i'm walking around my house in a great dane sweatshirt right now i mean it, it it's so unique and so special and it is the lifeline of our sport and i think the cool part is as a ref who's who can be invulnerable right you miss stuff and shit happens. Um, we take care of each other a little bit. And like, for example, go back to that final four. I saw Jeff Tambroni underneath the concourse and I'm in tears hugging him after the game. I go, Jeff, I'm so sorry, man. I'm tearing up right now thinking about it. Um, but we take care of each other a little bit. You know, at the end of the day, we kind of love each other at some level. And, uh, I think that's special for us. Well, I tell you, Matt, you being this emotional this many months later doesn't just say a lot about you as a human being. I'm going to offer it also says a lot about why you are considered the best at 
what you do. That's really wonderful. It's a, been a privilege. It, it, it is a privilege right now to experience that. Um, I want you to not feel so sympathetic for Jeff Tambroni simply because he pulled <laughs> uh, a big left-handed attackman from me that probably was, if he wouldn't, if he wouldn't have, if he wouldn't have, I'd probably still be coaching college across. So I, I guess I should thank him. But to the point, <laughs> the point that you made just a minute ago, Matt, I'm up here looking in paradise and in God's country up here on Gilmantown Road in uh, in between Speculator and Wells, New York in the Adirondacks. And as I said before we went on air, the first time that Holly and I, my fabulous wife, have been able to come up here and be in this place that you know I've been coming to since before I was born in February. I, I mean, I've never <laughs> been able to do it. And, right. and I'm, 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 I'm so grateful for my career opportunities that I had. I'm also really grateful for this retirement and to be able to be young enough and healthy enough to enjoy it and, and do the stuff that we love to do, which of course will include watching lacrosse. But as I, the biggest challenge of retirement, and you will, you will find it as well when it comes <laughs> 25 years from now is you, for people like us that are so defined by what we do, even though I think we all three know there is more to us than what we do. We also <laughs> chose professions that really defined who we were for, for a lot of people and that know us and, and that don't know us. And so as I sit here and the cross season is starting, right. And these things are so wired into my central nervous system for so many years. I mean, since I was six years old, but professionally for 40 plus, and as I, as February starting, like the, one of the things that I love the, loved the most about being a college lacrosse coach is just get waking up and going, who has a big game coming up? Or who just <laughs> had a big game and had a great win or had a devastating loss or whatever. And I just, it was, it's so much fun to communicate with all these people, this giant network that the three of us are all a part of. And, you know, I wake up today and I can't really do that in the same way. You know, I can't. And yeah. uh, I can't. And I, I need not to, right? <laughs> I need not to. Um, <laughs> because there are other parts of my life that I get to develop more. But I, I have found that part, like that's, in right now, this February, that's been one of the hardest parts. So for you couple people out there that I still feel like it's okay for me to bug you because you're in season like cross coaches, I apologize. <laughs> Funny is I, I got a great little piggyback story. So uh again, I'm in I'm in dad mode now. i I've, I've uh, you know, I can't remember the last time I just went to a college lacrosse game and sat and watched and had, you know, just wanted to enjoy the game. So on Tuesday. This past Tuesday, uh, Albany played at Penn, and I was actually I was down at the Sixes, right, cleaning that thing up on Monday was the last day of that. So I I drove to DC. Uh, I actually flew up Saturday to Albany, uh, flew up at ten in the morning, and flew back to DC at at five thirty in the afternoon to see my boys' first game uh, at home, and and what a blast that was. But Tuesday, I go to Franklin Field to watch Penn. Albany, it's 50 degrees, blue skies, and perfect out. And I said to my kid before, I go, Jackson, this is going to be one of the coolest places you'll ever play. You know, I, I've, I love that place. You know, just an old classic NFL barn from the 60s or 70s, whenever they were playing there. But the part of it was I'm sitting up in the stands, roasting in the sun, and I'm sitting with Chris Bates, who, right, who he and I, 
do PLL, you know, we go at it, the PLL, you know, he's competitive as hell. And, and he and I go back and forth all the time. Blaze Reardon, the great goalie for the chaos, who, again, I, you know, rep his game 600 times over between Albany and pro lacrosse and whatever. Kyle Marr, Scotty's son, who was, I've refed him a thousand times at, at Hopkins and, and, you know, had dinner on his deck more than once. Um, and just, so me, Batey, Blaze Reardon, Kyle Marr, sitting in the sun at Franklin Field, watching a college lacrosse game. And that's, that's what you're talking about, man. And, and it was the conversation and the back and forth and the laughing and the fun. I mean, you, I don't know if other sports get to do that. And I, I didn't want the game to end. That's how, you know, it was just, I was like, you can take me now. I remember Bob, we were talking about playing at the pyramids in Egypt and, and all the bats, or excuse me, they were getting eaten by mosquitoes. And then the bat flew in and took out all the mosquitoes. And, and Weir's comment was, oh, take me now. This is unbelievable. So... <laughs> That, a little bit of a weird analogy, but yeah, I'm, I got a different brain. Um, <laughs> but no, that 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 is a great example of what you're talking about. And again, as I venture into this new dad thing, you know, sitting up there and 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 just watching my kid. I mean, it's just that's a whole other element for me. And now to sit there and 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 have great conversations with whoever might roll into the game, and it was just fantastic. Yeah, it's go at them, Matt. This game's yeah. been incredible to us, and that was just the perfect lead-in. You know, you're a piece of you're a piece of my past, both in the short term and the long term. You know, you were there in Lake Placid a few years ago, and we reconnected. How incredible is it to watch your son just? just learn these and have these opportunities and experiences to share them with all these common threads and personalities. And, and I'm just going to simply ask you again, Matt, what has the game just, how incredible is it to watch your son in the game? It uh, It's unbelievable. And the cool thing is like, I'm a single dad. His mom's not in, in great shape and it's pretty much me and him. And so we're tighter than hell. And and I love that he's at Albany doing his own thing. He played goalie when he was seven years old for about five minutes and looked at me and said, what, why would you do this? <laughs> and I said, yes, son, get out there and enjoy the game. Throw the ball in the goal a little bit, will you? So um, that part of it, and I could not have handpicked a coach, not so much Albany, but a coach mm. that I want would want my kid to play for anywhere in the country. I don't care if it's Albany, Cortland, Virginia, or wherever. Scott Mars, you know, as we all know, the salt of the earth. And to see him make a play and come to the sideline and see Scotty give him a big hug, oh. you can't beat that, man. I mean, come on. And uh, and he's just loving every minute of it. Uh, he, he got better grades the first semester than he got in high school. You know, I'm holding the thing up to the light, checking his social security number. <laughs> like, dude, three A's and three B's. I was hoping for like a rack of C's and sprinkle a couple of B's in there, maybe <laughs> get invited back. And oh. and he's it's just such a great, it's just warms my heart because I also know 
how difficult it is to get a good fit, to have good, you know, you need a lot of luck. When I look back at what we did at Syracuse from 87 to 90, the older I get, the more I appreciate, God bless it, were we lucky. Oh, the gates are going here? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll roll in there. That sounds like a good idea. Oh, Roy Simmons, the coolest dude on earth, is the coach? Really? Huh. Okay. John Desco, I grew up, he played high school football for my dad. He's the other coach. That worked. Oh, my family can come see me. You know, so many things have to line up for a kid to have a good, you know, uh, experience. Academics, roommate, the geography. I mean, I'm just so blessed and so enjoying my first couple steps into this, you know, being a dad at the tailgate party kind of guy. Uh, that, you know, it's just, it, it's another layer of, of special, unique, you know, just totally cherished stuff that that's part of my life now. Matt, you have pried a memory out of my old wizened brain <laughs> with the scene that you just described at Franklin field. It's surrounded by those great old friends. One of yep. my favorite nights. Uh, in my long history attending the National Lacrosse Coaches Convention, which has gone by many names, was, you know how that thing goes, and you kind of want to go to bed. It's the the scene down in the lobby has become a little bit overwhelming, and <laughs> you just you, and maybe you have a presentation the next day, maybe you don't, but you just feel like it's time to be responsible, representing your institution, and go to bed. And I saw Scott Moore, uh, and he said, hey. Come on down here. And in that room that he opened the door to were yourself, Jeff Long, <laughs> Scott Marr. That might it might I can't remember if there was a fourth, another person there or not. Anyway, obviously that was a room I was walking into, whether I thought I went upstairs to go to bed or not. <laughs> I recall. We solved most of the world's problems. I'm sure mostly we talked about Mideast politics and whatnot. And uh, I was up really, really late. My hand might have been shaking a tiny bit as I was presenting the next day. And I don't remember the presentation, but boy, do I remember that night. So that's just a statement. I know our this is the kind of content that our listeners are, are just crazy about. Um, I just want to make a statement and then ask you a question. The statement yeah. is listening to you which I did in preparation of this. And there's a lot of great opportunities for people to listen to you mic'd up if, if they, if they care to, to do that search, I really felt, and I mean this most sincerely, Matt, yeah. you know, I sat through as Adam did, as you have, we've sat through lots of where coaches have to learn about what the new rules are. Like you said, we, we, we change them radically every other year in our, or every two or three years in our game. That's smart. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But also you've gone to and probably been a part of a billion tra officials training things. Yep. I'm here to say on this day in February 2024, every one of those meetings for coaches or prospective or accredited officials should start with a three, four or five minute you mic'd up. And I mean it most seriously because I really chose to Adam's point to your dynamic and charismatic personality, absolutely. And your ability to relate to humans, absolutely. But to me and to any experienced college lacrosse coach or, or lacrosse coach at any level, the great official is the official that looks at you, 
acknowledges you and interacts with you, especially early in the game. Because even if you're the biggest jackass in the world, and I have abs, I'm sure Adam was never that person as a head coach, but I definitely <laughs> was. And I'm instantly diffused, instantly disarmed. And I want to just be part of having a great game. If a referee acknowledges me and interacts with me, if there's a call early on that maybe I'm on the verge of questioning and he just anticipates and turns and tells me again, we're now in this together instead of fighting each other all game. So I mean that most seriously. I, I think that would be a great way. If that hasn't happened already, I recommend that, that uh, to Mr. Abbott and to everybody else, that that's how all those training sessions start. And now my question is, and you you partially answered it by saying your dad was an official. So that's probably, yeah. maybe that's the answer. And if you can say, Peter asked and answered, we'll move on. But I, <laughs> as, I, as I was looking at your bio, do you feel at all that you started to develop that great interpersonal ability to, to, to deal with per, volatile personalities in a really hot house situation by coaching the people that you had in front of you when you were a goalie at Syracuse, because you had to coach some fairly, uh, uh, shall we say high maintenance personalities. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and I think it's funny, but one of the few other refs, uh, that, that played that in my opinion was one of the best ever Kevin O'Leary, who's a, to this day, a very good buddy of mine. He was a goalie as well. And we talk about that ability to kind of see the whole field and see the, you know, it was, you know, I got to watch the hidden ball trick, you know, got to watch it brew right in front of me in the dome when Paul threw it in from about 62 yards. Um, you, you know, that those types of moments, you, the, the view, I always tell goalies when I'm teaching them, do not take for granted your great view of the game as you speak to your defenseman, right? You know exactly where you are and where everybody is, but a D-man chasing his guy around, especially without football lines on the field, he get he can get lost pretty quickly, and and that was always my message to to the young guys, and that's how I played by communicate, 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 um, and, and not with the that zippity do in your voice and, and make your words count. Don't just talk to talk, but but again, you know, make your words count and, and do it with uh, you know. I tell goalies, how about those teachers that you know the fun teacher you have that you listen to, or the guy that comes in there and gives you a math, you know, uh, uh, whatever math equation and bores you to death. So I always have always been part of my my personality to have some fun with it and and to be someone that if you're going to talk. You know, if you're a talker, you, you, it's nice if somebody's listening um, <laughs> versus just boring the, boring the people to death. And and up to your point, Pete, last night, Andy Shea, who's right, the Yale coach, and who is another upstate New York guy and an old friend of mine and whatever. And again, I hug all these guys before the game and they're screaming at me seven minutes later and that's fine. And Andy Shea, they did not. So they ended up winning by about 10 goals, but they, they were down four to one early. And he called timeout. Then he goes, Maddie, not for nothing, but they had seven, seven on this time when they scored their first one. They went offside on the on the on the you know, on their 10-man ride. And he had oh, and some something about a moving pick. And I just stood there and looked at him as he's saying all this. And when he was done, I looked at him. I said, Other than that, we're not bad. And he, he laughed. He's like, Yeah, other than that, you're doing a hell of a job. 
So, so then, uh, like a quarter uh, in the third quarter, he, you know, now he's winning by nine goals or whatever, and and and, and things are a little more. Uh, and I, I breeze by him, and I go, "Hey, I think with those uh, ten man offsides, I think we're up to about like three for seven with them now. We're getting." <laughs> he just you know, started laughing. So it's still, and again, you got to know who you can do that with, and who's got a sense of humor. And but, but to your point, you know, I. To just try to be human and don't sit there and argue with people about, no, that's not what I, you know, just say, Hey, I'm, yeah, I might've screwed that up. I'm, I'm getting better at it. I'm, I'm, I'm gaining on it, man. I'm three for seven now <laughs> instead of, you know, over four, like I started. So yeah, I couldn't, couldn't agree with you more. The, the, the people skills, which are not easy to teach. I think you kind of have them in your blood or not. Um, and you got to be careful when you're a ref about initiating conversations, right? Because if I initiate a conversation and it's the wrong time or the wrong words, and now a coach <laughs> wants to come back and say, why are you even talking? You know, or, you know, gets pretty shitty with me. I, now I, I, my hands are tied because I started the conversation. So any, any ref that starts the conversation and it doesn't go very well and ends up flagging the coach, that's not good officiating. If you started it, you live with it. Okay. And, and, uh, you gotta be, and it takes a special tongue and a special mind, I think, to, to know those situations and use what your, you know, use your strengths to, to get through the game and manage it and, and keep everybody feeling okay about it. Absolutely. Matt, what are your strengths from your perspective? I, I think absolutely the manage, the managing part of it. The, you know, the, knowing when to go talk, um, what, and the pro game has really helped me. You know, the, the last five years of this pro game, I, you know, what what this thing's turned into. Um, you know, I guess some people knew who I was be prior to this, but th th this has been a you know way beyond my wildest dreams of the social media and the you know pop. You know, I'm signing autographs at games. That's not what refs do. You know, uh, they're, they're selling jerseys. I mean, that is a weird, weird, you know, as a ref, right. You're not supposed to be in the middle of things and, and, you know, front and center, right. You're supposed to be the, the waiter that, uh, you know, oh, I didn't even know who my waiter was <laughs> and that league and, and the pro, the pro level is tougher because you got the coaches and you, then you got 20 guys on the field and probably 17 of them are college coaches. So you're not only dealing with, you know, coach to coach to ref, but player to ref, which you do a lot less of in a college setting. So AP to, to answer, I think people's skills and compassion for the game and, 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 and not being a know-it-all. And yeah, I mean, you know, I didn't have a great look at it. It won't happen again. You know, that type of thing. Um, you know, I think it's just honesty and a little compassion and, and, and a little humility. Um, you know, I, I got to be careful when I do my thing of projecting, you know, not being this, this cocky bastard, right. I'm, I'm, I'm confident, but I also know how fragile it is, right. Back to the final four. It can happen in an instant. A play just ruins you. It's a fragile, fragile, you know, it's like driving a race car, you know, at any, at any minute you could go into the wall. And you better be, have some, you know, humility. 
I, I feel like I chose poorly. There were times early in my career, especially at West Point lacrosse camp, <laughs> when my brother wasn't feeling well and he looked at the coach and says, yeah, Adam can play in the goal. And I stepped in the goal for like that half of that horrible experience. <laughs> but after listening to Mike Levin a few weeks ago, the All-American from Brown and Matt, listening to you in the talk about what the goalie position has provided you in life, you're talking about perspective and viewpoint. Mike was talking about accountability. Pete, did I choose poorly? Well, the thing <laughs> is, Adam, when you could shoot the ball as hard as you could, and from what you're telling me about your current workouts to this day, can still bring it in the triple digits. Uh, no, you you did not choose incorrectly because you could do the other really fun part about the game. It's really fun to save somebody who can shoot the ball like that. But I would have to say, as somebody who could never shoot um, and never dared get in the goal past third grade, uh, that that you 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 absolutely made the right choice. But I love the concept of I, I'm thinking as I'm listening to Matt. And I, like you, was thinking back to Mike Levin, who probably should have been in the Obama White House, I was thinking after listening to him. Right. But the whole concept of lacrosse, of, of goalies as leaders, it's pretty profound. And so maybe we should modify our earlier conversation, make it a little bit more uh, direct and say, we don't just want all lacrosse players to get into officiating we just want college goaltenders to get into <laughs> it's a place to start <laughs> maybe that's it and I, I as we are getting probably close to winding up here adam and matt uh, i want to make sure i ask you because i don't i don't want to make this mistake uh of missing this opportunity to hear what you have to say you described when you were talking about making your choice as to where you decided to go to college one yeah. of the things that you said that was a, a a possible positive was playing for the you said the coolest guy or smartest guy or I can't remember exactly what coolest what, coolest dude yep the, the, the coolest <laughs> dude please tell us and our listeners uh, get us a little bit inside about what it was like to play for the coolest dude who's ever done this I, I have one great story that's kind of my uh, my go to when I when people say hey, what was the like semi so. So our thing was, uh, Simi was the, you know, the orchestrator, right? He was, he was a big picture guy. X's and O's are hugs and kisses in his mind. Um, but boy, did he, he recognize people, you know, who knew how to play. And he also was, you know, you could, if, when he starts talking, nobody moves a muscle. I mean, he's just so much fun to listen to. So my, my favorite story is we're playing Hopkins um, in the Dome, and I'm a freshman, and I'm not going to play. Jim Guyery is a returning All-American goalie. He's a senior. He had a great junior year. I'm going to sit on the bench for a year and then hopefully start for four. And uh, so John Dusko would always have the scouting report, right, and want to get on the board and say, yeah, 16 does this and 12 does this. and. We got to make sure we slide to here and blah, 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 you know, that whole deal. But Simi, so John's pacing, it's about four minutes to go out on the field. John is pacing in front of the, the, the board and Simi's going to hit us with a story. And he talked about this story. He goes, 
He goes, you know, there was a football game one day, the animals and the insects. We're like, what? Okay. Um, so, you know, the insects kick off to the animals, and the animals are just too big and strong. They go right down the field, bang, touchdown, and insects get the ball, free and out, turn over, you know, got to give it back to them. Long story short, 28 nothing at halftime, animals are crushing the insects. Now the animals are going to kick to the insects for the second half. Goes right to the to the centipede. He's back deep. He catches it. But man, this dude's quick. He's darting in and out. He gets picks up a block, gets to the sideline. He's gone. Touchdown. Wow. All right. 28-7. Now they kick it back to the animals. Centipede's kind of like a linebacker kind of guy. He's he's hustling around, making plays, comes up with an interception. Uh ends up, long story a little shorter. Centipede scores the, the the winning touchdown in the fourth quarter, and uh, you know huge upset for the for the insects over the animals, and and the coach goes over to the centipede. My God, brother, that was amazing. Because where the hell were you in the first half? Centipede looks at him and says, "I was getting my ankle taped." So, that, you know, let's go. That that was that was the story to go play the Blue Jays with Desco chewing on Maylox with a piece of chalk <laughs> in his hand. Dying to tell us who, who you know, who we got to watch out for. <laughs> so that's my favorite. Oh man, I was getting my ankles taped. Yeah, I had no idea where that one was going, Matt. But that was Chad Smith tells Simi stories too that are pretty good about a guy taking potatoes to town in his cart. But that was a better story than that. And really, we wanted to have, and our goal here is to share. The incredible people, personalities, little different twists, little different approach. Coach Lasagna and I definitely look at the game and life a little differently. So we just want to say thank you. This has been a great opportunity. I've been wanting to do this since 89 championships, my favorite game ever, game I grew up on, that last second save you made. I thought that was your game. I hope you got the trophy at the end. But Matt, <laughs> your friendship, your perspective, you know, we caught up after some dark days for me, and it was that smile, a big hug, and it's just great to see you. I was telling coaches on you real quick when you call, it's always the picture of that back tat, that double fours that shows up for me. So, <laughs> Maddie, I just I want to it. say thank you. I appreciate I you as a friend. Lots of love. You know I'm always going to be there for you. You were for me. And uh, I'm Adam Pascal, and this has been The Inside Roll. And I am Peter Lasagna with a side of pasta. <laughs>